Hi there, my name's Alexia Allen. I live and work on Hawthorne Farm in Woodenville, Washington. I'm on land traditionally tended by the Snoqualmie tribe, and I respect their elders and traditions of past, present, and future. Welcome to stories of our serious and joyful homestead, where we grow nearly all the food we eat, and we have a great time in the process. I'm here today to tell you about a plant I love. The corn is as high as an elephant's high, and it looks like it's climbing clear up to the sky. (laughs) I am in love with corn. I grow at least 10 different varieties of corn. From sweet corn we can eat in August to popcorn we harvest in October. I'm out in the garden on a late September day. I can feel the warm sun on my back and my feet are bare on the earth. I'm walking through the corn patch, the sweet corn patch, where earlier in the season we ate an early variety of sweet corn called sugar buns. And then we ate bodacious, which is a mid-season variety, and now we're eating golden jubilee, which is a late-season variety. So I'm just going to bend down and take an ear right off this plant. And I can just peel back the husk. Mm. And inside are golden kernels. I like golden jubilee one of my favorites although sugar buns was so sweet it was just like coming out and picking and eating a donut (laughs) out of the garden Mm. wow this is a good ear the sweet corn has um, genes in it that keep the, the starches or keep the sugars from turning into starch so they're quite a bit sweeter than the flour and flint corns I grow mmm Really good. (laughs) Great way to enjoy the taste of sunlight. Standing in the garden, feet on the cool earth, and eating an ear of fresh, sweet corn, just raw, right off the the plant. Mm. Mm. I wish I could hand you an ear. It's so good right now. You're probably familiar with corn on the cob, but there is so much more to this incredible plant. I love the taste of the year's first sweet corn. It's like walking out into the garden and picking my own pastries right off the stalks. But our main crop is of long-storing dry corn, also called flint corns and flower corns. They make delicious polenta and cornbread. Since we hardly go to the grocery store and instead rely on the food we grow, we really eat seasonally. And some seasons are easier than others. Corn is one of the main plants feeding us during the hunger gap time of year in the early spring all the way into early summer when the beets have all been eaten and the last squash from the fall are getting all saggy (laughs) and not as tasty and the last potatoes are sprouting in their paper bags in the pantry buckets of dry corn come to the rescue to create golden cornbread and polenta with tomato sauce. Seeds just come right off the cob and then these dry seeds go into a five gallon bucket and get stored for the winter or for next spring and summer before we get more good crops out of the garden. 
We'll eat cornmeal. Several different varieties with different flavors. So, should be good. Gives us enough variety and calories. But first, let's go back to the origins of corn. It's one of the domesticated plants that doesn't grow without the help of humans. There isn't wild corn growing alongside of the road, <laughs> like maybe you've seen an apple growing from a tossed away apple core, or watermelons and pumpkins sprouting up from a compost pile. Corn just has a different relationship with human beings. It seems to have been developed, oh gosh, over 9,000 years ago, from a little grain in Mexico called teocinte. And the earliest domesticated corns were probably popcorns, a plant that's easy to set by the coals of a fire and get a tasty high-carbohydrate snack. In fact, you can take ripe heads of teosinte and get them to pop, even if they don't have big enough kernels to process any other way. I can totally relate to the pleasure of sitting around a fire and enjoying nibbling on a toasty carbohydrate. <laughs> you probably can, too. The indigenous Mesoamerican corn breeders, thousands of years ago, realized they were onto a good thing and quickly developed hundreds or even thousands of corn varieties. Corn with giant green kernels, with tiny red kernels, with hard flinty seeds, with soft flowery seeds, corn with juicy stalks to get the sweet juice out, corn with short dry stalks that would ripen quickly, Corn that pops by turning itself inside out, and corn that pops by puffing itself up. There are a lot of corn varieties. Corn is a crop developed in the Americas and quickly spread from culture to culture wherever it could grow, and it's grown around the world now. And in my journey as a homesteader, I tried growing a number of grains. I tried growing quinoa and rice and barley and wheat. And I keep coming back to corn. Most European grains like wheat or barley require big weed-free fields and lots of labor. But corn is a grain bred by people who did not have draft animals to till large fields and did not use metal tools to cultivate the soil. So corn is really well suited to growing and processing by hand. It's easy to do on a homestead scale. And it's fun. I really enjoy harvesting and drying corn. And I get a lot of food for my effort. Not like wheat, <laughs> where it feels like I have to do a lot of work to get these tiny, tiny little seeds. And frankly, I just enjoy eating corn. It seems to agree with my body more. I know that's different for everyone, but I love corn. And maybe corn knows that. And I like to think enjoys my company too. A five-gallon bucket of dried corn can keep a hardworking adult alive for a month as a main calorie source. So we shell dried kernels off of the multicolored cobs of corn, and I feel reassured as we fill bucket after bucket that we seal tightly and uh, store in our pantry. A lot of people think of that modern vision of corn, thousand-acre fields of uniform GMO dent corn getting swallowed up by a giant combine. And that gets turned into a lot of processed food and corn syrup, stuff that just isn't good for humans to eat. And I don't think the corn plant is really happy about that relationship either. 
And I just feel sad seeing pictures of those great big corn harvesting combines going along and thinking that that land probably never feels a gentle human footstep. And I actually want to eat food that's built on good relationships every step of the way. Good relationships with the land, good relationships with the plant itself, good relationships with the people doing the harvesting. Think about the difference between cooking a meal for people you love and then working in a frenzied commercial kitchen, making food for demanding guests that you never get to see and know. And I imagine it could be the same difference for corn. Like if you imagine those two different ways of feeding people, like yes, people are getting fed, but one way is just a lot easier to put love into the process. I grew hundreds of corn plants this year, and I touched every single one of them multiple times. Every single plant has been seen and appreciated by me and by others, even in the hundreds of plants I grew. But those hundreds of plants, that's plenty to feed our whole family. I'm amazed, pun intended, at how we bury these exquisitely gorgeous seeds in the earth. And then months later, each corn seed has popped up and given us a treasure trove of beauty. We were planting blue seeds, red seeds, purple seeds, golden seeds, and putting them in the ground and covering them with that cool spring soil. It, it felt wistful or like, oh no, we're burying this beauty. You know, this beautiful corn seed is never going to exist again. We are putting it down into the ground and it's getting covered up. We never get to see it again except in how it germinates, grows, and then each single corn seed becomes dozens more corn seeds as that plant grows. So it really feels sacred to be involved with this plant in this way. And you can hear us <laughs> out there harvesting the corn. It's a wonderful fall event with the rustling corn stalks on a dry day and the laughter. It's like unwrapping presents over and over again out in the field. Oh, yeah. What kinds of corn that we planted here? Yeah, like which, because there's a few kinds, right? Like... Yeah. So up at the north end, we planted Dakota black and early pink popcorn. Those are the tall stalks that are there. And then just south of that, we paint, uh, planted Painted Mountain, oh, which yeah. is a really colorful... You remember how David called it Party Mountain? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, do you have any more of that Party Mountain seed? <laughs> it's a flower corn, so like really puffy, um, dry, starchy kernels. And then south of that, we have Cascade Ruby Gold, which was bred by Carol Deppy in Oregon. And it's an awesome corn. It's like high-yielding survival corn. It just sounds delicious. I know. Gold. <laughs> My mouth's watering right now. <laughs> so good. South of that, I planted a new variety called Saskatoon White. It's not high yielding, but it ripened in August. So that's also worthwhile. Like the other corn is just ripening now at the end of September. So Saskatoon White was worth growing if I were worried about not having enough, um, not having enough heat mm -hmm. to ripen a corn crop. Welcome to the corn patch, y'all. Yes. <laughs> we'll just uh, harvest some of the dry ears off of this, off of the Cascade Ruby Gold especially, although if we get a painted mountain or two, that's totally fine. And we'll just 
Uh, as you can see, I've been taking the husks off and leaving them here and leaving the stalks upright because I think we'll just come and plant garlic right down these rows and leave the corn stalks up until the spring. Let's harvest a few. Look, wow! Ooh, nice orange. <laughs> Cascade ruby gold. Okay, like. let's see who can find their first red one. Oh, and they get a kiss. Yeah. Isn't that the tradition? What? Whoever, uh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not offering that, but go ahead. <laughs> That's a tradition at the old corn husking bees. So if you have uh, found a red, red ear of corn, yeah, that one's perfect. A red ear of corn meant that you got to ask for a kiss from anybody in the room. Wow. That's how you get a whole bunch of young people to come <laughs> and shuck corn. <laughs> you could eat this straight off the stalk. It'd be pretty starchy, but you could. Once I planted flower corn at a neighbor's house, and he talked to me later. He's like, what kind of corn was that? It was terrible. I was like, yeah, that's because <laughs> it's a flower corn, but like make a tortilla. It's not a sweet corn. Especially because... Uh -huh, got a red one. Got a red one. Hey, smooches. <laughs> 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 I'm glad you found one. I hope I don't find one. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Daniel? <laughs> <laughs> the last one who got smooched has to smooch the next. No! <laughs> I have what color they're bound to be. Yeah, and are all the ears on the same plant the same color? Carol Deppy says that each different color has a slightly different flavor, but oh, I'll take her word for it. I think we tried that a few years ago, and I was like, yeah, I don't know if it's worth the hassle of separating them. All right, where's your corn puns? We already got two out of the way. What? Your corn puns. I'm so glad to everybody lending an ear to this podcast today. Oh. <laughs> there it is. No. Mm. So this is more of a polenta corn, huh? Yeah, all these down here are mostly for polenta and corn cornbread. Also known as a, also known as a flint corn. Yes. Yeah, I grow mostly flints because flints do a little better with rainy fall weather than uh -huh. flower corns. Flower corns tend to get moldy. So I wanted to try some Painted Mountain flower corn, but I don't love the flavor of it. The main fun of Painted Mountain is taking them out of their wrappers. It's like opening a present. Mm -hmm. They're all different. These aren't bad. It kind of tastes like, just like you said, a really starchy, flowery kind of corn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Chew for like a little while. Looks like a pretty even mix of uh, yellowish, orangish, and then reddish. Yeah. Some wow. of the yellow ears growing up by the other um, by the other varieties had some blue kernels on them, where blue pollen pollen from blue corn blew over onto the flowers of the yellow corn. Hmm. Oh yeah, there's a blue kernel. See? Mm. So that silk that was attached to that kernel got a little got a little blue pollen on it. Wow. Who your daddy was. Sure. Why is it that we're leaving the stalks up? Having the garlic in between, you said? Yes. One reason and you could probably do it upright. There are pros and cons either way. Leaving them up adds 
like rain protection and bird habitat to the field. And we're going to be getting so many juncos hanging out in here yeah. and depositing their phosphorus behind. Mm. So that's why. Now, it means that the stalks are not in contact with the earth to rot. And it means that they'll shade the ground, uh -huh. which isn't such a big deal over the course of the winter. I don't want the garlic to sprout up early. And then in the spring, we just come and we knock all the stalks down. Cool. What's mm -hmm. everyone's favorite thing to do with corn food to make with corn? <laughs> Mm. You had to pick one thing. Alexia's corn pudding that she made last oh, week oh, yeah, was so sure. good. <laughs> yes. I don't even know what kind of sweetener there was in there. Maple syrup from that <laughs> tree right over there. <laughs> so good. <laughs> yeah. I had to work pretty hard to just eat my portion. <laughs> A lifelong exercise. <laughs> I didn't have to work very hard to eat your portion. <laughs> <laughs> hey, maybe we'll make more corn pudding this week. Definitely cornbread, without beyond a doubt. Yeah. Unless there's fresh sweet corn, which is like a two-week window out of the entire year. Mm -hmm. I guess just popcorn too. Just so enjoying popcorn. <laughs> yeah, that's a good close second. Oh, yummy! Well, thanks, corn harvesters. Thank you. Corn is considered a divine plant in a lot of places in the world, and certainly in much of Central America, uh, where it originates. And as I walk down the rows of corn on a summer day, and I feel those leaves brush against my face, it feels like a mother's touch. It feels like I'm in a good relationship with this plant. And I care for her and save the seeds and really appreciate being able to stay alive because of this plant. So take a look around your pantry. <laughs> take a look around the farmer's market. Notice all the ways that corn impacts your life. It's really quite amazing how this plant has risen up to do what we ask of this plant. And I just want to take a look and slow down and say, are we really asking this plant to do work that's, that does actually serve us? Can we cultivate an even better relationship with this sacred plant? So enjoy corn, crunch up a tortilla chip, and think about the history of this amazing plant. But look for one of the painted mountains, like one of those big ears behind you. I think you'll just like them. Right. Yep. Oh, yeah. okay. And then there's one behind you too, Clara. Wow. Beautiful. Sunset colors. Dang! <laughs> oh my gosh. Look at those red husks, and then the seeds are just like. It makes me want to go paint a sunset. <laughs> <laughs> no joke. Check us out at hawthornfarm.org, where we offer community events, homestead consulting, and classes, including a tour of the corn patch. Come grab an ear and get connected. Join me next time with my other favorite farm stories. And so right now we have two does that are nursing. Mm -hmm. uh, and have um, our latest offspring. We're here with Olive. Wow. We have five little juveniles in here that are about a week old now. Do you want to see them? Sure. Yeah, just bring the nest box over. Sorry, Olive. I'm just going to borrow your babies for a moment. You're showing off your babies. Oh, look at that box. They're in the fluff. Oh, my gosh. Okay, now, is that too cute for words? 
That's too cute for words. Got you can see they're face. just getting their fur. Yeah, and they're plump they're little. Oh, hi. Sorry, buddies. Just plump little. Nice job, Olive. Yes, they look nice and plump and wriggly. And... Olive's taking good care of them. Mm -hmm. This is Olive's fur, by the way. Oh, all that, that fur she, that's in the nest, right? She pulls a lot of that out just before she kindles these babies mm -hmm. to make a nice, comfortable bed for them. So. In the wintertime, that's really useful because mm -hmm. it keeps them warm. Okay. And kindle is the word for a rabbit giving birth? Kindle is the word for a rabbit giving birth. 